0: The insight, but I'm JD. We're already a month into 2023 and we're still making predictions
1: about this year's trends. And I'm Jordan Eakers. In 2023, my Christmas tree is still up. So I think it's still 2022 as far as my dog's concerned.
0: Welcome to ITK, friends. On today's show, we're cutting through the noise when it comes to the employee experience. I don't know about you, but my inbox is filled with articles podcasts, newsletters with titles like workplace trends you need to know for 2023 and nine future of work trends for 2023 and five employment trends that will shape the workplace in 2023. So who has time to consume all of the content, yet alone figure out which trends are just hype and which ones are gonna be really meaningful in the employee experience this year. So we're gonna do you a solid over the next 25 minutes because we've read all the articles, we listened to all the podcasts, we subscribed to all the newsletters and we're gonna help identify what are the most meaningful EX trends of the year. We're gonna break them all down for you and help you discover how you can improve the employee experience within your organization. So let's begin our conversation with the biggest influence on the employee experience, the economy. Recessionary fears are still on everyone's minds as organizations are looking for ways to reduce risk by cutting costs. And we've seen companies that grew too quickly over the past few years make decisions to streamline their operations. But even companies that are still growing are looking for ways to reduce risk and maintain agility in the face of economic headwinds. So Jordan, how should organizations be thinking about investments in their employee experience in the face of ongoing economic uncertainty?
1: Awesome. So I think from the employee experience, we need to first talk about the customer experience. So in economic uncertainty, You have a higher degree of pressure and customer confidence, which means that they are making purchasing decisions a little bit more tightly. So you need to make sure that you're investing in your employees to empower them to capitalize on every single customer that walks in your front door if you're a frontline organization.
0: And I think it's critical to take a big picture view from an economic perspective, right? Not just react to what's happening now, what's happening yesterday. So even speaking of yesterday, just yesterday, the International Monetary Fund, going to some stats, upgraded the outlook for the economy. Speaking to strong household spending, easing of inflation, and mitigated energy crisis risks in Europe. So there's actually an expectation the economy is going to grow about 2.9% this year, which is a slight increase from the October uh, estimation. So the reality is there's just a lot we don't know, and we still have a lot to be concerned about when it comes to the economy. So that's where that combination of agility through risk mitigation comes through, because my sense is that a lot of organizations are sitting there looking at the past couple of years thinking, not again like not getting caught trying to be reactionary. We're trying to get ahead of what may or may not be a situation we're going to face when it comes to the level of recession the economy is going to go through. So I think you're going to see strategic investments that foster greater business agility. And we know that one of those investments that people have to make is to their people because their people are the ones that ultimately enable that sense of agility. And that leads us to our, our second point, which is the fact that the biggest cost For most businesses is people. So that that means big cost cutting moves, unfortunately, result in layoffs, as we're seeing in companies, especially across technology and the media. At the same time, the job market remains strong and there are more open positions than there are people to fill them in the US. I'm sure you've heard that said plenty of times before. So Jordan, how do you see the labor market playing out this year, especially for frontline employers who are still struggling to close staffing gaps after years of labor shortages?
1: Yeah, I think it's a great comment. I think like frontline-led organizations rely on their people. I think organizations are going to continue to invest in innovative programs to better support, empower, and enable their frontline workers to do their best work every single day. And I think fundamentally, like if brands do not choose to invest in their employee experience, they will lose talent. They will drive inconsistent execution. And so I think that we've seen a tremendous amount of pressure from the workforce to start to drive innovation in the way that brands support their frontline. And that has to happen in order for you to attract and retain talent in this highly competitive labor market. So I'd be curious for your perspective.
0: Again, I'd like to start by taking that, that macro view, right? And I know that doesn't make the situation any less challenging for people who have been impacted. So let's start by saying that when it comes to layoffs, workforce reductions and whatnot. But if you take a look at, again, a couple of stats, the US quit rate, So percentage of people quitting their jobs in November 2022, so last November, was 2.7. That's down 3% from December 2021. So it's stable across basically last year in terms of quit rate. The unemployment rate is currently 3.5% down from 3.9% in December 2021. And even the layoff numbers, let's compare November 2019, so pre-pandemic, to November of last year. We saw 1.35 million people laid off in November 22. We saw 1.78 million in November 19. So I think is, is interesting is if you take it a, a macro view, again, we're seeing corrections within organizations that made some decisions over the past couple of years to grow. But if you look at, at their total workforces, they've still grown over the past couple of years. They're just averting some additional risk and making some decisions that are unfortunate for a lot of people. But then you take it to the front line. One of the stats I thought that was interesting was. Self-checkout, anyone has been to a grocery store the last couple of years, you've likely run into a self-checkout counter. Self-checkout now accounts for 40% of grocery transactions in the store. Hmm. So I, I, for me, that basically signals that organizations have identified through the investments in technology, things like self-service, service, e-commerce, self-checkout, whatnot, where their staffing needs are over the past couple of years. And I think that's more clear now this year so i think organizations can be more strategic about where they need to put the right people but i completely agree to say it's time to invest in those areas because you hopefully have learned where you need great people and what they need to be able to do to help drive your business forward and when you have less people but you still need to grow your business you need to find ways to get more done with less and i'm calling it right now do more with less is the official theme of the workplace this year but at the same time You can't squeeze water from a stone and people are burned out after three years of nonstop change. And now they're being asked to do more with potentially even less resources. So how do you get more done with less without burning your workers out more than they already are?
1: Yeah, for me, I think it's all about learning and listening from the front line. I think a lot of organizations are designing programs and scaling them across the organization with the hope that that drives efficiencies. But if we don't find a way to actually co-create solutions programs processes in a way that allows you to get more done with less labor on the floor then it's not going to land so i think a lot of organizations that we see across multiple different verticals are really leveraging their frontline workforce their corporate workforce to come up with new solutions that will allow them to be more efficient in the way that work gets done which allows them to better manage the workload perhaps with a labor force that might not be what it was a few years ago so it's really about listening and working collaboratively with your frontline and corporate workforce to create those solutions together.
0: Great point around not making assumptions around what doing more with less means for people who are doing the work, right? So that idea of co-creating process and, and leveraging, especially your frontline teams to understand where can you create efficiencies. But when it comes to burnout, I think the biggest thing organizations have to remember is that burnout's a workplace problem. It's not a personal problem. It's not something that just taking a couple days off is gonna fix. It's actually looking at the experience of work and how can we introduce the right elements, things like making sure people have balanced workloads, they have scheduling flexibility, they have the right support, they're being appreciated for their job. Um, And I think it's also about holding the right people accountable consistently because there's so much, I think, inefficiency that's born within organizations because of inconsistent priorities uh, and inconsistent accountability. So we have to make sure that, as you kind of spoke to, we're sharing the load when it comes to making sure people are focused on the right things and getting the right things done so we can continue to grow despite potential limitations when it comes to budget cutting and uh, resource limitations and whatnot. So let's take a quick break in our show coming up. AI is gonna fix all of our problems and the flexible workforce takes a bit of a hit as workers are called back to the office. Stay with us. Hey ITK fans, it's JD and I've got some breaking news on the latest frontline research. Exonify just dropped a brand new version of the Deskless Report. This one is all about retail and actionable steps retailers can take to improve their EX in 2023. The Deskless Report breaks down the difference between what corporate teams think happens on the front line and what employees really deal with on a daily basis. Do you want to attract, enable, and retain great frontline talent? Then download the retail edition of the Deskless Report at Exonify.com today. It's time for Toss Up. We were going to run a poll about who's better at rocking the long hairstyle, but we know what the answer is. Yes. What's first? (laughs) How will the latest advancements in AI impact the employee experience? Will it reduce job opportunities or increase employee productivity? Of course, if we're talking about workplace trends in 2023, we got to talk about ChatGPT because it's all the rage and I'm using it to sign all of my greeting cards. So if anyone wants a tip on where you can apply AI, just just sign greeting cards with it. Um, I, I see this advancement in technology and the conversations around AI ChatGPT, it's less of an advancement in tech. I think it's more of an advancement in awareness of technology because even with chat GPT, GPT three, the model it's based on been around for a couple of years. This is just the most kind of consumer facing version that people have seen of that technology. And when it comes to AI, my perspective is it's just kind of how technology works. So it's not a separate conversation. It's just the evolution of the technology that we're using every day. When it comes to jobs, I think the common thread has to be that this technology helps us accomplish tasks more effectively, doesn't replace jobs in a lot of ways. So where I think people have to be concerned is your job's likely not going to be replaced by a machine, but you should be concerned about the person who's able to use the machine more effectively than you potentially are. What are your thoughts, Jordan?
1: Yeah, I think it it allows individuals to focus their time on more meaningful work. Like I think advancements in technology is going to simplify a lot of the way that some work gets done. As an example, a software might allow a task to be completed without a human being actually having to do something as a result of a new system in place. But for me, what that ultimately allows is someone like JD, who's working on the front line, the ability to now actually spend their time on a more high value engagement with a customer, which will drive more meaning for that particular employee. And so for me, I think it's going to, remove the burden of very administrative work across organizations and allow people to be focused on a lot more meaningful work that drives business value.
0: Great points. What's next? How will the conversation about flexible work shake out this year? Will people return to the office or is remote work here to stay? I think we can all agree that remote work is going to sustain at higher levels than it did in 2019. I'm speaking as a person who's been a remote worker for the past 10 years and people think I don't actually leave this room at this point, I believe. But w- what I'm looking at is I think there are a lot of organizations that are fundamentally unwilling to redesign the work experience to take advantage of the flexibility they were forced to lean into over the last couple of years. And then we see people being pulled back to the office. So my my ultimate point is I people organizations need to make a decision, right? Which way are they going to go? What work experience do they want to create? They have to make that decision clear to employees and then employees get to make a decision around what's right for them And then everyone has to stick, right? The companies have to stick to that and not keep bouncing around and creating a level of unpredictability and unfairness for the employee. My last point is I'd like to hear more conversation about flexible work than remote work, because that I think is more inclusive of people who don't have the opportunity or option to work at home because they have to go into the stores or the manufacturing facility or the restaurants every day. How do we add flexibility to their experience in a way that I'm experiencing as a remote worker?
1: Yeah. And I think when we talk about flexibility, another huge trend right now is this progression towards the contingent workforce. So the ability to work for four or five different brands, the ability to provide more agility to an organization, to have temp workers rotate through different locations, different brands. And so I think we're starting to see a a fundamental change in the way in which organizations place staff, upskill staff, and have individuals actually move across different organizations So when we talk about flexible work, the contingent workforce, we're seeing a massive progression for organizations to be a little bit more nimble in the way in which they hire and deploy their talent, which also allows them to manage that bottom line a little more tightly.
0: Absolutely. Let's take another quick break. On the other side, we're going to find out why managers are the best investment a company can make in their employee experience in 2023. Stay with us. The word is out. The modern learning ecosystem is funny, accessible, informative wise, digestible, practical, and actionable. And that's all from just one review. This book is packed with tips and tricks from my 20-year career in corporate operations and talent development, including lots of Disney stories. Grab your copy of The Modern Learning Ecosystem at jdwroteabook.com. I wonder who programs the commercials on this show. It's time for What's the Word? I don't mean to brag, but my word association skills have often been described as... What's first? Making skills the foundation of your
1: talent strategy is blank.
0: I, I'm going with common sense because, first of all, I think we've always been doing that. I think we've always been running our organizations based on the capability of our people. We just haven't necessarily had kind of strategic insight and agility wrapped around that concept. So when you think about building a skill-based strategy, which a lot of enterprise HR and l teams are having that conversation right now, I think this year we're going to recognize that it, it makes sense. It's a great idea, and it works on paper. But the question becomes, how do you operationalize skill? How do you help managers make more strategic decisions, more faster decisions by understanding the capabilities of their people? And then how do we use that understanding to close capability gaps, both at a personal level and then at an enterprise level? So overall, we're running our business meaningfully through the capability of people. So I think this year we're going to see how far are organizations willing to adapt their strategies to focus on skill and capability? And then where's the right place to put
1: investments? Yeah, and I'll go with the word critical. Um, for me, there's two lenses. The first is you need to make sure that the right people are doing the right work as efficiently and effectively as possible. Skills, data allows you the ability to achieve that. Secondly, I think we need to be talking as an industry about a career, not a job. What I mean by that statement is, if we can actually support people in developing their skills, that will drive their career progression. And so I think we need to be using the lens of the individuals acquiring the skills, and then how we use that skills data to make sure the right people are doing the right work. And that really will drive an organization forward.
0: I think great point. And it's also a great plug for our last episode when we spoke with Jennifer Kalkamuji from uh, Shake Shack, who really talked about that idea of, especially in the front line, how do we transition from thinking about everything as a job or a gig to creating that more career progression type focus? So great points. What's up next? The impact of managers on the employee experience is blank. I went with paramount. Paramount not the streaming service, the importance of managers. Because I continue to say frontline managers are the most important people in employee experience, in learning and development, because they influence the day-to-day reality for employees. And what we found in our research, if you check out the Deskless report from Exonify, exonify.com slash Deskless, you'll find that 49% of those managers are burned out on a daily basis. And when I talk to retailers or grocers and I ask about how their managers are doing, I often hear the words, they're broken, right? Or they, they just need help they've been pushing businesses through change for the last couple of years and in a lot of cases a lot of great managers or great potential managers have walked away and bench strength is i think much lighter than it was before we walked into the last couple of years so i think we need to find ways to make the job of a manager easier so they can focus on leading their teams and less on administrative tasks and the things that i think we can accomplish in different ways and then i I think it just comes down to my summary statement is the best investment you can make in employee experience this year is investing in your managers. Jordan, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I go with one of my favorite words, galvanizing. I think if you look at any employee engagement data, it'll tell you that the most often reason why an individual decides to stay or leave their organization is the relationship with their managers. And as you just noted, managers are run down, they're managing multiple different roles. And I think we need to find ways to make the manager's life and day-to-day work more efficient so that they can start to become leaders for their people, to inspire, to enable, and to ensure the individuals are effectively executing. So they're the linchpin. We have to take care of them. We have to help their lives become a little bit more efficient so they can be the great leaders that the brands need them to be.
0: I always say that an amazing manager can make a good job great and can make a less than stellar job still a positive and meaningful experience. (laughs) for their employees. So again, if you're going to focus on any part of your employee experience this year with limited time and resources, I take a hard look at the day-to-day reality of your frontline managers and how can we, like you said, make that job easier so that they can really be a key strategic lever for our businesses. That's it for What's the Word? Let's take our final break before we wrap things up with our projections for how the employee experience will evolve in 2023. Stay right there. Tune in for the next ITK to find out how you can maximize the value of your L&D investment. Bob Mosher, founding partner and chief learning evangelist at Apply Synergies, joins Josh Felix from Exonify to explore the missing ingredient in your L&D strategy, sustainment. Bob literally wrote the book on workflow learning. Now he'll explain why it's essential to know your audience before you jump into solution design. That's on the next ITK. Wednesday, February 15th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern on LinkedIn Live. Let's go to the big finish. Surveillance was a term I ran into over and over again as I was taking a look at EX headlines. Do you think employees should be concerned?
1: Personally, me? No. I think organizations need to focus on enabling, not auditing what their people do. I think you need to give them the tools to perform, not ask them if they've actually executed. For me, it comes
0: down to if you don't trust your employee, why'd you hire them? So do we really need to be checking in or do we need to rethink the processes that we have in place to help people be most effective? On the flip side, sustainability and environmental responsibility are becoming table stakes parts of corporate strategy. Jordan, do you think this is going to trickle down to the
1: employee experience? Absolutely. I think employees are driven to join organizations with a sustainability focus. I also think that organizations can unleash positive impact on the world by engaging their employees in it.
0: Absolutely. One
1: word I didn't
0: see nearly enough in my research for this episode was happiness. Should employers be thinking about how they can make work more
1: enjoyable this year? Absolutely. Maslow's hierarchy of needs starts with happiness and psychological safety. We need to start there with every single brand. And I think, again, we just need to think
0: to ourselves and say, do you want to work in a place where you're constantly unhappy? Why are we allowing that to be the case for anybody else? Finally, what's your Jordan one sentence pitch for how companies need to think about EX this
1: year? Your people, without a doubt, are your greatest asset. Provide them the tools and enable them, and your brand will thrive. For me, it's, it's employees have
0: a, have a long memory. They remember the past three years and the contributions they've made to your organization. And I think now is the time that we need to make the investments that show people we're willing to not just appreciate those efforts, but continue to grow through them and bring them along the journey with the organization. So that's it for today, everybody. We're out of time. Big thanks to Jordan Eakers for sharing his insights into the biggest EX transformation trends of the year. If you enjoyed this episode had a good time with us, be sure to subscribe to ITK. Head over to exonify.com slash ITK to sign up for show announcements and reminders. You can also check out the entire ITK collection on the Exonify YouTube channel, or listen to In The Know on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you in two weeks for special guest, Bob Mosher on the next edition of ITK. Until then, I've been JD. Now you're in the know and always remember to ask yourself the important questions. Like if something goes without saying, then why are you still talking? I'll see you next time.